0: turn with me if you will to ecclesiastes as most of you know ecclesiastes it's right off, right after proverbs by the way but it's it's solomon's uh, look at his his own life and the uh, and the various things that he did and tried to do and it and he's he's sort of frustrated frustrated with with life and frustrated with the idea that that many of the things that he tried to do didn't really bring him the fulfillment that he, he thought they ought to let me read uh, the first part of 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 Ecclesiastes 1 The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation comes, but the earth abideth forever. The sun rises, the sun goes down, and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south, and turneth about unto the north, it whirleth about continually, and to when returneth again according to his circuits. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. Under the place from whence the rivers come, thither they return again. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. The thing which hath been, it is that, sh- that which shall be. And that which is done is that which shall be done again. And there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, See, this is new, it hath already been of old time, which was before us. There is no remembrance of former things, neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. And I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked can't be made straight, and that which is wanting cannot be numbered. I communed with mine own heart, saying, Lo, I am come to great estate, and I have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart had great experience of wisdom and knowledge, and I gave my heart to no wisdom, to no madness and folly. I perceived that this also is vexation of spirit. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increases knowledge increases sorrow. And he goes on to say in, verse, in chapter 2 that I tried all these things. I tried this, I tried that, I, I tried everything that, that people seem to, to think is, is great. Uh, he, was, he was wealthy, he had power, he had charisma, he had prestige, he had it all. And he wasn't happy. And the question that I, that I come to is what does success look like? Now, I don't ex- expect that any of us hope to um, attain the level of earthly success that Solomon did. I, I don't expect any of us to be king. I don't expect any of us to be, have, have that kind of prestige or anything of the sort. But it's obvious here to Solomon, that all those things were not good enough. All those things, this Ecclesiastes is, is a story of the search for fulfillment and success. And all these things that he did were were sort of empty. And the question that comes to me then, uh, are... are are our pursuits of success sort of empty too or maybe a better question looking at it the other way is what can what can we do in our pursuit of success that is not empty so how does God how does God define success uh, here at the end of the work of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, this is the last last two verses of of Ecclesiastes, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. That's the definition of success that, that Solomon came up with. In most of the Old Testament, success is defined by uh, the ordinary things that, that people define success. Wealth, prestige, power, etc. And, and some of those were satisfying to some of the people, I suppose. But Solomon says they're not. They're not they weren't to him. And as I thought about this, it occurred to me, you know, our, our record of, of history in the Bible here is very much about a record of the history of the leaders. It was, it's not the ordinary people like you and me. Like I said, I don't ever expect to be king. I don't ever expect to be wealthy. I don't ever expect to be all these things. But the people that we talk about in the, in the Old Testament in particular, most of them were. Most of them were those kind of people, and that's, that's what the stories of history are made of, mostly. Um, and those people were the rich, the, the successful, the powerful, in one form or another. And interestingly, David was one of those. He was king, rich, powerful, all that stuff. But in Psalms we don't hear that reflected very much rather David's saying it's complaint some of it's complaints. some of it's praise some of Psalms are, are not written by David of course but most of them were but mostly it's praise to God praise to God and that that helped David define success for himself um you know, as we read history, most of the time, history is written by winners. So history is, to a large degree, suspect because it's written by the peoples that, people that won, and, and it's not really, um, probably not very balanced. Now, particularly in ancient history, uh, the, uh, the records that exist that are found now and then. So this king has a record of his accomplishments. He does not have a record of his failures. Uh, you know, we see that in politics today. You don't have a presidential candidate running around and saying all the things he failed at. And <laughs> all the things that did not go well. Rather, he's, he's touting his, his successes. Accurate or not. And so, in that respect, history is, is somewhat uh, suspect. Even though I, I like reading history, I like to read stories. Um, but you have to take history with uh, uh, sometime a, sometimes a tincture of salt. And so, now the idea of success in the Old Testament was, like I say, many times it was war and conquest. Many times it was wealth, power, so on. New Testament idea of success is, is different than that. You know, the idea that Jesus turned the world upside down, or we, we talk about an upside down world, because this is no longer Jesus' idea of success. Jesus' idea of success was losing, losing to win. And at the Jesus' crucifixion. His his final words were, "It is finished." What what was finished? It, from all appearances, Jesus had lost. By all appearances, he was dead. He was, he, and and to the disciples, they thought it was all over. The next three days, you know, they spent cowering in fear because. They didn't know what was going to happen. And they truly didn't. Didn't know what was going to happen because Jesus was dead. It was over. But it wasn't over, was it? But rather, rather, Jesus died to win. To win. And, and in our Christian lives, many times... Again, the non-resistance idea, it goes against everything we are. It goes against the idea of anything that that human nature says we should defend ourselves, we should uh, stand up and and defend our, our positions. But no, we win by losing. And why is that? we should be getting our fulfillment out of somebody else's happiness and success. This is a difficult concept because we're not normally that way. But getting getting fulfillment out of somebody else's success seems to be the theme rather than my own interests, the furthering of my own interests. Now, we can look at this success thing in in a whole bunch of different arenas. Um, whether it's business, whether it's church life, whether it's our personal life, we're just going to look at at three of them this morning. Um, the one one that I'm going to look at is a personal relationship with God, and. At the heading for these three, think about it, is the way that I think or behave likely to produce the results that I want? Success can be defined as getting the results that I want. In, in most of life, that's the way we define success. Uh, now, in each of these arenas, Uh, I'm going to look at at our personal lives and our homes and our church life. In each of these arenas, is the way I think or behave likely to produce the results I want? Um, Many times we don't think of... Let me say it differently. Success, we have a, a vague idea of what success looks like. But we've never really came down and defined it carefully for ourselves. Many times a business will have a mission statement, which is the idea that this is the goal. This is what success looks like. And hopefully we get there. What does success look like in our personal lives? In our, in our personal rela- relationship with God. It may, we ha- may have various ideas of what success looks like in our personal lives, but this morning I want to look at our relationship with God. A question then is, do I, can I say that I have succeeded until the end of my life? In some of the other arenas, we can say we have succeeded. Uh, For example, financially, if, or maybe a better one would be a business. So I start a business, and it's working. It's succeeding. I have succeeded. And maybe I get bored. And there's people like that 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 start businesses, and, and it works, and they become bored, and they sell that one and start another one, and so on. Because they're easily bored. Uh, But in our personal relationship with God, success is sort of elusive because it doesn't come until the end of our life. So, but as, as God defines our success, faithfulness is it. Does that mean the same thing to everybody? It does not what faithfulness to you, for you in your life may well be different in, in my life. Now, there's certainly similarities, but I don't have the experiences you do, and you don't have the experiences that I do. And so faithfulness is, is really where it's at, is that's how God defines success. And so what's that look like? Well, for my personal life, And I suspect for most of you, uh, prayer that's meaningful is something that is important to my faithfulness. An interest in and a study of God's word. That's important to my faithfulness. Uh, and, And sort of those two, my Christian life spills over into my friends, my neighbor's. If it doesn't, if it's just for me, it's not really what it should be. If it doesn't affect anybody else, it's not genuine. So it spills over into my neighbors and my friends in in a way that that encourages them rather than merely virtue signaling. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good because I dress this way, I act this way, I'm pretty good. And don't you folks forget it. I'm afraid that our Christianity can become that. And, and yet, if, it is, if that's all it is, that's not success. Um, and, and rather, rather it, it, the influence that that has on our neighbors and our friends is not a positive one. Uh, Number two, number one is faithfulness. Number two is a confidence in God's provision. Confidence in God's provision here and hereafter. You know, it's one thing to have our lives here and, and our lives go on one day follows the next and things go reasonably well. After a while, you know, you get old. Uh, at least I find that I do and the prospect of a hereafter starts looming bigger and bigger when you're 15, 18, 20 the prospect of a hereafter is not very big Um, having been there didn't think about it very much but now as you get older this prospect is getting bigger and for those of you who are older I'm sure you're you think about that too do i have confidence in god's provision now and hereafter if my provision is only for now it's not not quite good enough but that's part of my personal relationship with god and success in that personal personal relationship with god is a confidence in god and a trust Sort of going along with that is a trust when I can't see and don't know. That's faith. Faithfulness in a time when faith is necessary. That's success. Those people that I have observed who have been faithful in, in bad situations are people who have been enormous encourage, encouragements to me. Um... And those, those bad situations may vary widely. But it's well to, to recognize that God is there even in bad situations. And God provides even in bad situations. And success does not necessarily mean the avoidance of bad situations. Um, success, rather, is faithfulness in in those bad situations. Now the next arena we're going to look at is, is our homes. What does success look like in a home? Now for, for many of us here, we either are mar- married or wish we were. Um, and so that's, that's a part of, of a happy home, is a good marriage. Back to my original premise... Is the way that I think and behave likely to produce the results that I want? It's Likely to produce success. So that's, that's so important, especially in this arena. Is, the, is my attitudes, the way I think and behave likely to produce the results I want? So a happy home. Every young couple that gets married has that as a goal. Most of them don't even think about it. Think that they're... That it's, a, it's a given. Of course they're going to be happy. They're going to be with this wonderful person. After a while, they come to the conclusion that this person isn't quite as wonderful as they thought. And that person become, becomes aware that, that the other side isn't as wonderful as they thought. And things sort of deteriorate, or they can. And and so, since a happy home is what success looks like, uh, is the way I think and behave likely to produce the results that I want? Now, a happy home may, what we define as a happy home, may be a bit different. Probably not a great deal different, but maybe a bit different. But a happy wife. I've heard it said, happy wife, happy life. And there's a lot of truth to that. That's, that's obviously for the men. But happy wife, happy life. And what do I do to, to make that happen? Or the other side, to make it not happen. Another thing that, that is, is a successful home is children to get along with each other and enjoy each other's company. Now, when your children are little and our children were little, that was not the case, I'm sorry. We did not have a happy home under those circumstances if, that was, if that's the definition because sometimes things were not so happy. Um, other times they were. Now, our children are grown and, and it, it is, uh, it, there is a satisfaction as a parent to look at your children that get along. And that brings up a question. I, I preached this sermon before. And after, after uh, I was done, a fellow came to me and he said, you know, we Christians have been taught to be humble. How is uh, the idea of success and humility, how do those two go together? And uh, I didn't really know what to say. Except I said, is there a difference between, between arrogance and satisfaction? And I think there is. So on the one hand, I'm bragging about how things are. On the other hand, I'm, I'm, there's a satisfaction in success. And, and a legitimate satisfaction, I think. So that's, that didn't cost you anything. So children that get along and enjoy each other's company. And going along with that is productive, well-adjusted adult children who pass on the values that they were taught to their children that's success in a, in a home and again is the way i think and behave likely to produce that result or is it not and so as we ask questions like that of ourselves it should prompt us to act and behave maybe differently than we would. And the third arena that I want to look at is in church. And what success look like in a congregation? Now, we just, in the last year and a half, had a, a outreach at, at Geneva that was a dream for many of us for a long time and and I think it, it was a great thing uh, was that success in some respects it was uh, I guess it remains to be seen <laughs> just how well that works out but at least so so far it has been a success but I I think number one in a church's uh, view of success is a holding to Christian principles and values. Uh, If a church, a congregation, does not hold on to their Christian principles and values, they have become a social club. They They are no longer a church. They are instead a club. Because after all, any... Any group of people can get together for any reason and even get along, but that doesn't make them a successful church. So a successful church, and this is probably the most important, is to hold their Christian values and positions. Um, Secondly, but, but subordinate to that, is... Getting along. Does that mean that a successful church, everybody likes each other? It's pretty unlikely. Pretty unlikely that everybody is going to be everybody else's best friend. Uh, Pretty unlikely. And so, does that mean that everybody is going to like each other? Not necessarily. But instead they're going to get along in spite of the fact that this person over here is not my best friend. This person over here grates on me. That's reality. and, and, and yet a successful congregation will deal with those the various people in the congregation will deal with those, those uh, conflicts and, and go on in spite of those, and maybe even because of those. Because the idea that conflict is, and I don't like the word conflict, abrasiveness maybe, just, just the idea of somebody not being quite what I, the way I, I would like them to be is probably not a bad thing. Otherwise, we have a whole bunch of clones, and a whole bunch of clones is probably not a good thing. Not in which case there's only one that's necessary <laughs> and the rest of them are, are unnecessary. So getting along assumes a relationship with each other. And that's really important. You know, most of you who are older who have, have probably been aware of of congregations that the people come and they have a church service and they the amen is, the last amen is said, and the doors are open and whew, they're gone. There's no relationship or very little relationship. And I don't think that's a successful congregation, but rather one that that's just doesn't have that, that sense of community and camaraderie. going along with that a congregation that to have, be a successful congregation each is going to have to refil- fulfill his responsibilities and, and, and be a part of the congregation be a participant may I not at the end of my life have to look back on my, my church life and realize that, that I was I was a taker. I was a deadbeat. I was not a participator. Uh, and and I hope none of the none of you have to look at at the end of your life like that, because that's not success. Uh, number four on that: our church, for our church to be successful, it needs to be welcoming. Friendly and encouraging others. Whether that person ever becomes a part of us or not, we need to be encouraging to that person. Encouraging and friendly and so on. Here a couple weeks ago we had an offering for my neighbor who is not a part of this congregation um, but has had a good many problems in the last year or two. To me, that feels good to be for our congregation to be a part of the broader community, to be a, to be a contributor to the broader community, not just an insular, uh, you know, just stuck on ourselves, but rather we're, we're part of the, of the larger community as well. Now, a successful congregation is comprised of a whole bunch of people who are each trying to live a faithful Christian life in their own way. Um, There's certainly similarities, but there's differences. And each of us, a successful group, is a collection of, of those kind of people. And, you know... Again, success comes at the end. My successful Christian life is... A, you can only tell that at the end. After all, at, at any point in my Christian life, I could say I'm not going to do this anymore. I could drop it. And if I did, it would not be successful. And there's people that have done that. And so at the end of our lives... At the end of our lives, is when diff- success is determined. And going back to the, the original premise, there: if if my attitudes and the way I think and behave doesn't lead to don't doesn't look like they're they're going to lead to the right the end that I wish, then I need to change those attitudes and those those behaviors. If my personal Christian life is not what it should be, what I what I wish it to be, what success to me looks like, and God looks like, and to what it looks like to God, then I need to change those behaviors. If my uh, the idea of success in my home, if my the way I think and the way I behave aren't likely to produce the results I want, then I need to change them. And again, in in the congregation, the same way. What does success look like? Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Timothy 4. Second Timothy, first and second Timothy, are letters by Paul to Timothy. And here this is getting toward the end of, of his second letter to Timothy. And in chapter four uh, in verse verse seven, verse six, let me start at verse six, "For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. And that's what success looks like. At the end of our lives, may we be able to say that, like Paul did here, that I have been faithful, that I have, that I have finished my course I have kept the faith. Let's stand for prayer. Our Father in heaven, thank you for what you give us. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to to understand best what success is, to to see our lives properly and and really uh, understand what's most important. Thank you for, for leading our thoughts in that regard.